0: Listen, I know it's only been one game, but this Kentucky offense looks really fun. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Alright, what's going on Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked on Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC related things. But on this podcast, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode of Locked on Kentucky, we are going to be recapping the Wildcats victory over Germany in the Global Jam. 81-73 to 73 was the final score. Going to give you thoughts about what happened. Some criticism, some positives, some negatives. Takeaways. A plenty. Really appreciate you guys making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. Want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the show. We are trying to get to 5K subs before the start of the season. Let's see if we can make it happen. Appreciate everybody that has subscribed thus far. If you are listening on podcasts, follow along there. Whatever feed you're tuning in from, follow along there as well. So let's go ahead and get into it. 81 to 73, like I mentioned, was the final score for the Wildcats in their victory over Germany in their first game in the Global Jam, first of four games in the event. There are some things that I want to get into today, but I'm going to start it by reflecting on what we said on yesterday's show. So we've got stats, we've got thoughts, but I want to get into the three or four different things that I really emphasized on yesterday's episode that we wanted to see out of Kentucky throughout this event the first thing that i want to get to here and this is not in order as we did it yesterday um, but the first thing i want to get to here is dj wagner and rob dillingham by the way this is the third time i'm recording this my computer has decided that it is time to continue crashing if this crashes again uh, i will be upset but we're going to try and power through it here dj wagner and rob dillingham are the two players i want to start off talking about today We've been going back and forth about DJ Wagner and Rob Dillingham, what they should look like on the court together, what they should look like running the offense individually. And I, I want to make a statement here. I think DJ Wagner's the best player Kentucky has on roster. And there are some people out there that may disagree with that, but I, I am going to stick with that narrative until he proves otherwise. Obviously, it was an, an incredibly efficient outing from Wagner, who did have five turnovers. We're going to get uh, to why in a second. But I was truly impressed with what Wagner did with this offense. And do I like him better off ball? Sure. I, I like Rob Dillingham, I think, handling the basketball more than I do DJ Wagner. But the explosiveness and the thing that we've been discussing for Kentucky and what they've needed for a couple of years now. This may be since I've started the show, I've been talking about this. Kentucky needs a score that can get to the bucket and get two points whenever you need him to in isolation, DJ Wagner showed several different times throughout this game that he was explosive in getting to the rim and finishing. He also had a couple of step-back threes in the second half that were very impressive shots. If he is able to replicate that at a consistent level this season for Kentucky, he's going to prove to be the most valuable player. Full stop. Now, Rob Dillingham didn't have the great greatest day shooting, and I honestly, I think that's what you're going to come to expect from him just because of how chaotic he truly is. But I think that given more time to run this offense, he will statistically improve. Defense was also another thing that we talked about here uh, with Kentucky. Team defense. The team defense was not great uh, for the Wildcats throughout the day, uh, throughout the day, but I think in the first half, it truly showed to be a problem. Uh, Kentucky time and time again. We could talk about Wagner, we could talk about Dillingham, We could talk about Fiero. Any player, any player just getting stuck, in ball rotation, whenever Germany was trying to move it around the perimeter or trying to drive and kick, Kentucky consistently got lost over committing and eventually giving up threes. And Germany killed Kentucky with a ton of threes in this game. I think they were shooting either close to 50% or over 50 towards the end of this matchup. Just very impressive what Germany was able to do from outside the arc, but a lot of it was aided by the fact that Kentucky just got caught, you know, over committing to shots, jumping and falling out of the way before a Germany player knocked down a a wide open three. They've got to be better communicating. They've got to be better rotating. They've got to be better with their assignment. Coach Cal at halftime said that the game plan was to play chaotic. He wanted the Wildcats to play even more random in the second half. And I think that they got that at different points, but He's also mentioned that, you know, you've got to be able to identify your shooters and then not leave them. And I think Kentucky did a better job of that in the second period here. But overall, I think the team defense is something that Kentucky is going to need to work on. DJ Wagner, obviously, uh, was very solid offensively. I want to see him uh, do a little bit more on the defensive end. And I also want to focus on Wagner a little bit more here overall. Another thing that we talked about on yesterday's episode was leadership. Throughout the summer here on the podcast, we've been discussing what defines a leader for Kentucky this upcoming season, considering how young they are. And we've discussed Reeves, we've discussed Wagner, and I want to, after one game, kind of tell you what I noticed out, out of these two players here, Reeves and Wagner. Reeves was not extremely communicative. and I'm not saying that as a bad thing, because throughout his time at Kentucky, it looks like he's been a relatively quiet player. What I noticed about Reeves that, Reeves that I really, really liked in this game outside of his just overall confidence at all times on the floor was the, was the signaling, was the, was the notifying different things on defense, talking about things on offense. He looked like one of the more clear communicators on this team in this game. I was impressed by that. I'm excited to see him grow in that role. If he's able to continue to develop that part of his game being a leader, then I think he will be a very, very, very important piece for Kentucky come postseason play. Uh, I think that we all know that. I don't think that's a very hot take there. Wagner, because of his ability to score, may develop himself into a type of leader. But this is also something that we've mentioned on the show this summer. Just because you can score doesn't mean you're a leader. You have to have other qualities that go along with that. And I think that both Reeves and Wagner have the ability to showcase that. Getting these guys to talk more, I think, is going to be one of the emphasis points of emphasis for this coaching staff this offseason. I'm speculating there, but I, I, I don't really think I'm off on that. Getting these guys to communicate with each other more is going to help them and give them a lot more opportunities to get more consistent stops. Because after one game, it's very clear they're very young, they're very raw. They need opportunities to grow, I think, on that side of the ball defensively. And I think they need more opportunities to talk with each other. And that will come with simply playing more with each other, understanding each other's game and and such. But I was impressed with the second half overall towards until towards the last few minutes of the game where both teams just kind of went into chaos mode. And it felt like Kentucky had just kind of gotten a lead and given up uh, to, to an extent. But again, the four things there, leadership, Uh, Dillingham and Wagner team defense, the fourth thing here, consistency at the rim on both ends of the floor. I liked what I saw from Kentucky defensively inside the arc. I was very impressed with what they did despite having a small ball rotation, which we will dive into in just a little bit. But overall, again, I'm really looking for Kentucky to really do some better things outside the arc. As far as offense goes at the rim on the other side of the court, I was impressed I I was impressed, Um, I, I think, at times. Now, Kentucky, at times, rushed things, very clearly rushed things in the paint, but at the end of the day, I don't think it was anything as bad as we've seen in the Summer League thus far, which is funny to say. And I will be looking for Kentucky to get better at that as the games go on. But Cal, again, Cal said that he wants them to play chaotic. He wants them to play fast, and he wants them to play kind of out of sorts which I think is partially due to the fact that they're playing with a shorter rotation and the fact that they are playing very short, quite literally. So I want to dive into what this small ball rotation looked like for Kentucky because I think this offense was very, very, very fun to watch at uh, different points in this game. Before we get to that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at FanDuel. You can take your first bet uh, swing at betting on MLB on FanDuel, and you can get 10 times your first bet amount and bonus bets up to $200. So... If you spend twenty bucks, you can get up to two hundred dollars back in bonus bets. That's if you win or lose. You can take that two hundred. You can spend that betting on anything from the money line to the over/under to props. Who you think is going to hit the first home run in different games? My favorite team right now, the Atlanta Braves, is going crazy, and it's really fun to lay different things down on them. Some of you are Reds fans. Some of you are St. Louis fans. Some of you are fans from from teams or for teams that are not even anywhere in the region. Uh, of Kentucky. So wherever your team may be, you can always head over to FanDuel and you can check them out and you can lay some stuff down on that team. America's number one sports book is FanDuel. You can go over to fanduel.com slash locked on and get up to $200 in bonus bets. Again, that's fanduel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. All right, continuing along here. On the Wednesday edition of Locked On Kentucky, Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. Really appreciate you guys making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. Again, if you have not subscribed to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the show. Here we're going to get into what I thought about this offense and then what I thought about statistically from these guys because I think there's a lot that you can take away from their points. But again, like I said on yesterday's show, I'm not looking as hard at these statistics as I may in the regular season. Because these are exhibitions uh, in a way. And I I know that they're important to take away some of these numbers. Um, But at the end of the day, I don't think that they're going to be truly reflective of what we're going to see this fall because of things like the rotation. So let's go ahead and get into that. So as we all know, Aaron Bradshaw is out. Uguna Onyenzo injured himself in practice just a day before Kentucky was set to play Germany. And he actually hobbled into the to the stadium in crutches. Cal put a tweet out saying he may be able to play at some point this week, but they're not confident in it. So the lineup that Kentucky decided to go with for their starting lineup here, DJ Wagner, Antonio Reeves, Thierro, Trey Mitchell, and Justin Edwards. Trey Mitchell, obviously the center in that lineup. I told you guys, he can play a little center. And after you got on Enzo was hurt, it was kind of a no-brainer that Kentucky was forcing him to play at the 5, and play at the 5 he did. So Kentucky, over the past few years, probably as long as we've known, for the most part, has really not been a space or a pace-in-space type of team. They've not been a 5-out or a 4-out, four, four 1-in type of team. They've not been uh, keen on spreading players around and getting open looks from 3 and then also getting to the rim. In this game, they did exactly that. They spaced their players out, they ran, and they got to the rim. It was beautiful offense. I loved every single second of it. I will take the chaos. I will take the little bit of turnovers that Kentucky had, which, by the way, I believe until the last couple minutes, they only had like 10 uh, to, let's see, 24 assists here. Yeah, 24 assists to 13 turnovers. I am more than thrilled with the way that Kentucky operated their offense in this game, it was fun, it was exciting, and I absolutely adored the shot selection for most of this game. So here's the shot chart. Boom, it's on it's on the screen. If you were watching on YouTube, you get the uh you get the luxury of seeing this. If you're listening on podcast, let me describe this to you. So normally, in the past for the Wildcats, we have seen Kentucky take a bunch of mid-range jumpers in their offense whenever things have just been uh, humming along with their offense. It's no, it's no particular reason that they've done this. It's not been because of pace or because they feel like they need to get back into the game. They have just taken, their their personnel has allowed them to take a ton of mid-range jumpers. And we've complained about it here on the show for quite some time. We've complained about it. Said it's an inefficient shot statistically, and if you took less of them, you'd be a better offense. I want you to do me a favor and look. Again, this is the first half shot chart for Kentucky I did not get the opportunity to get the the both halves, uh, uh, but the second half was very reflective of what we saw here in the first. There are three shots, three, outside of the paint and in front of, or inside rather, the arc. There were three mid-range jumpers taken in this game. Now, all of the floaters, the five floaters that Kentucky took away from the rim were missed, but all of them were rushed. I think Justin Edwards took a couple. Wagner took a couple. Just rushed offense. You need need to be more settled down, I think, and Kentucky will be. But look, it's all either outside the arc or right there in the paint, excluding three mid-range jumpers, two of which Kentucky hit. That is beautiful. I, I cannot stress this enough. That is beautiful offense for what Kentucky will want to do with this team. In the modern era, this is exactly, exactly what Kentucky needs from their, from their team, shot selection-wise, uh, selection, selection wise, moving forward. I could not be more pleased with this. I'm very, very happy about the shot selection in this game. Will Aaron Bradshaw and you, Gun Yenzo change this a little bit? Probably. I think the spacing will get a little bit different. But what did we note when John Welch was added to this staff here just a few weeks ago? We noted that Kentucky was probably going to be a little bit more modern in the way that they approach the game. And on top of the injuries, it's kind of forced them to go in that direction. Now here's the issue, and this is something that I'm actually, I'm actually concerned about because just because you get one game of this doesn't mean you're going to get 30. When Kentucky gets healthy again, are they going to go back to uh, a little bit more of an archaic system? And they're going to have three players on the court that can handle the ball, two of which can actually do it. The third one just is kind of there. They're going to have two seven-footers or two tall guys in the lineup, and you're going to be running to the rim, and it's going to be awkward spacing. Is that what we're going to see? Or are we going to genuinely see Kentucky continue to play with a little bit more energy? And I'm not saying just because you play fast means you have to take a lot of threes. Most of your points will come from the rim. Alabama will tell you that. Nate Oates will tell you that. Offensively, they're looking for a two first. Kentucky has a lot of players that can get you a two first. And if you can get a couple of different shooters to really show out for you, it's going to make it difficult to stop. And one of the shooters I want to talk about here for just a second is Trey Mitchell. Trey Mitchell. So Trey Mitchell, the transfer from West Virginia, has been proven on just one game to be an extremely valuable addition to this year's offense. Why? Because of his ability to pick and pop and actually knock down a freaking three-pointer. Kentucky has been begging for that for forever now. Their last two power forwards and centers couldn't do it worth a rip. And I'm not saying that they were bad. I'm just saying that they just couldn't do it. That's just how it was. Kentucky now has, thankfully, versatility in their power forward center spot. Trey Mitchell, four of six from three, and he continued to make Germany pay on the pick and pop over and over and over and over again. He finished seven of 13 overall from the floor. 20 points, he had six rebounds, three assists, only one turnover, one steal, and a block. Made two of his free throws. Made both of the free throws he took. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. What Kentucky did with a small ball lineup. And it, and it goes to show me, I think that, Something that we need to do as fans is maybe calm down a little bit when it comes to criticizing Coach Cal and the offense. I'm going to continue to do it. but but I think that we need to kind of settle down a little bit because when pushed to do this, when pushed to run a small lineup with players that actually fit the system, it produced really impressive results. And some of you may sit here and say, Oh well, you know Germany couldn't beat Vanderbilt. You know they 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 couldn't beat St. John's if, if St. John's starting five had their tans tied behind their back. This was a 23 year old Germany team that the majority of that roster plays professionally, professional national or international basketball. That's a good team that Kentucky just beat. Kentucky just beat them also without playing. I think the best game that they could. Also, they've got two players hurt, two of their bigs hurt. Kentucky could have dominated this game. I think if you gave them five times to, to play this game again, Kentucky could have possibly won this game by 20. And they were on the uh, they were on the road to doing that before they just kind of gave up there at the end. For the most part. So I, I'm very impressed with what Cal did coaching wise with this with this rotation. And even he said in an interview on the broadcast, you know, I, I normally don't coach in the summer. But I'm going to coach this game because I need these kids to to, to grow up. And said, I'm, that's not exactly what he said. I'm paraphrasing here. And, but he wanted to take this opportunity seriously. And I think with one of the youngest teams in college basketball this year, and the young, youngest team in this field by a large margin, he wanted to prove something. And I, the fact that he was able to go out here with this rotation and put on that offensive performance is great. Very excited about that. That doesn't mean Kentucky's going to be averaging 100 points a game this year. I just want to put an emphasis on how impressive that was and how good Trey Mitchell played at his spot. He's not going to shoot four of six from three every single game, but darn if you leave him that wide open, I mean it's hard to not hit 40% consistently from here on out. Uh, that could legitimately happen. Now you're not going to be taking six threes a contest, obviously, but you could see Mitchell turn into a very, very versatile, valuable t- addition to this team. The small ball lineup worked. The small ball lineup was fun. They scored 81 points. I'm happy with it. Justin Edwards shot two of eight from this in this game. They had four assists, three turnovers, had nine rebounds. That was a team high. Did not have the best game offensively. Um, a couple of his three point shots were rushed. A couple of his floaters were rushed. I was not impressed with the with the timing. I think you want to see him get a little bit more comfortable. He's probably the most athletic player on this team when it comes to, you know, ability to get to the NBA and prove to be a genuine, just stud athlete. He's different from Chris Livingston in the fact that he just feels lighter. And I believe Kyle said in the post game that he they tried Justin at the, at the four and they didn't like it. Thank you. I'm glad that he didn't like it, and I really do hope that they play him at the three because, quite honestly, I think the rotation needs that. If you wanted to, and here's where it could get funky at some point this offseason, if you really wanted to, You could play a Duthiero at the four. Let's talk about a Duthiero for a second. Do you remember about a year or so ago, whenever some of you, I'm not pointing any of you out individually, but some of you out there were melting down over the fact that Kentucky had just picked up a no-name three-star player because apparently somebody's daddy, uh, a, a or callowed owed somebody's daddy a favor. That's how some of you guys were spinning it. And I was sitting here saying, if Kentucky didn't want him, they wouldn't have gotten him. They wouldn't have added him to the roster. And I think he could prove to be something special. Some of you hopped on that train. I'm not excluding all of you here. But Doziero bulked up this off season. He got heavy. He got strong, and he looks like a tank, literally out there. Three of six from the floor. Three. Or three of five from uh, from inside the arc. He was three of five from the foul line. He had five rebounds or seven rebounds total, three assists, only one turnover, two steals, two blocks. That was an incredibly impressive stat line, 9 seven, three, two, and 2 2 for a player that apparently some guys out there think is just some no-name three-star. And whenever Kentucky got him committed, he rose to a four-star, and some people still continue to doubt him. Adu Thiero played 31 minutes and 43 seconds in this game. If he doesn't get 20 minutes a game this season, I will be shocked. He looks like a legitimate basketball player. He is physical. He is tough. He is smart. I think he knows his role very well. He may not be the best shooter, but darn, this man can get to the rack, and he is strong. Free throw merchant. Can we get an NBA 2K free throw merchant badge? Can we sew that on his jersey for the rest of the season? Because he's going to be getting to the foul line. A lot, I think, for Kentucky, if he wants to, this fall, and this winter, and this spring. I'm excited about Aduthiero. I want everybody to get on the Aduthiero train after seeing one game of him here in Canada against a legitimate squad that had some physical guys out there, mind you. I I want people to start getting excited about him. Trey Mitchell with 20, if I didn't mention that already. Antonio Reeves, 24 points. The return of Antonio Reeves alongside the addition of Trey Mitchell is massive for Kentucky this upcoming season. They're not going to shoot as well as they did today for the rest of their careers with the Wildcats. They're not going to do that. But there will be games where they prove themselves to be extremely valuable because of their versatility and their offensive arsenal. Kentucky needed that this, this fall. They needed bodies, first of all but they needed people to make their system go. And if they play like this in this system for the rest of the year, they're going to score points. Antonio Reeves is going to continue to get buckets. How aggressive, how confident Reeves was getting to the rim, exploding to the rim on offense. He had a couple of different floaters that he that he tried out. The three ball was going down. Kentucky set him up, I think, very nicely at various points in this game. Uh, he only shot 62% from the foul line. I believe a couple of those free throws were missed late. It is what it is. We'll work on on adversity and stress as we continue through this global jam and as we continue through practice uh, this offseason. Four rebounds, one assist, one steal. Love it. DJ Wagner, 7 of 15. 2 of 5 from 3, 5 of 10 overall uh, from inside the arc, rather. 16 points. He also had two rebounds, six assists, two steals, two blocks. Five turnovers, though, there. It was because of how fast and frenetic Cal wanted the game to be. Kentucky turned the ball over a little bit. Wagner was the primary guy handling the ball. It's okay. Rob Dillingham off the bench, 3 of 9 from the floor, 6 points. He had 3 rebounds and an assist. Reed Shepard, 0 of 4 from 3, 0 of 4 overall and almost 17 minutes of play. But Reed Shepard played hard, and I I liked what he did outside of that in the stat sheet. I think he played very well defensively, um, had 2 steals, had 6 assists, had 3 rebounds, 6 assists. By the way, and 17 minutes of play to zero turnovers. Want to make that known there. If he gets one of those shots to fall, I think he's going to to be impressive on the offensive end. It was just a cold day. With if we're gonna if we're gonna nitpick here, quite honest, honestly, with the basketball that some of these guys may not be comfortable with, it is what it is. Shepard Edwards, uh, I think that even Jordan Burks will probably probably get a little bit more comfortable when they get back to the USA and they're playing with a the basketball. They they they're comfortable with and I'm not saying that the FIBA ball is completely different or that it's it's slick as butter but I, I'm, I'm just trying to advocate here for maybe why some of the shooting performances weren't as great as compared to the Germany guys who were shooting the lights out of it consistently so Shepard I think is is impressed he impressed despite not hitting a field goal and then Jordan Burks one of three and 11 minutes he had two rebounds had a steal had that really nice catch off a lob play towards the end of the third quarter overall I was impressed with what Kentucky did in this game. I was impressed with the offense. I was impressed with the ball handling from DJ Wagner and Rob Dillingham. I'm excited to see how this team, rest of these games, and then tomorrow, I believe we're going to be having a game at eight o'clock. We will have another recap episode on that. Before we wrap up here, something that I want to note, I just want to throw this out. Kentucky, just because they won one game, doesn't mean they're going to win the rest of them. Uh, they could literally win this game and not win a single one after this. Baylor went 1-4 and four last year. It could just be what we're dealing with here. So just prepare yourself if Kentucky loses. It is what it is, and it's okay. The Wildcats are learning right now. They're very, very young, and they're just trying to get some experience under their belt. So with that being said, I think that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Doll underscore, and you can follow the show over on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comment, cons- comments, concerns, anything you think about this game, leave it in the YouTube comments. Hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked on Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and God bless.